Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, I chat to authors about their books, the writing process, the social and political influences of the work, and how literature has the power to change the world. Today, I welcome Jeremy Lachlan. His debut novel, Jane Doe and the Cradle of All Worlds, was the 2019 Australian Book Industry Award winner for the Book of the Year for Older Children. Today, we talk about book two, The Key of All Souls, and writing through grief and anxiety. I adored this chat. I hope you do too. It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be a part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. (laughs) Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has actually read the books she's asking questions about (laughs) and asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. So enjoy listening to the podcast. That's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and we need more word nerds like yourself, people that are passionate about books. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, Jeremy Lachlan. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm well. It's been a long time coming. I've seen you on social media a lot. We've had a few chats here and there. And finally, I want to say we're meeting face to face, but the next best thing, right? The next best thing. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I've been really looking forward to it. I've, long time, long time listener, first time caller. Kind of. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is so lovely to chat with you today, Jeremy. And today we're going to chat about the wonderful Jane Doe series. I have the hardback collector's edition which is just divine i love it i took it away with me on the weekend it's just something that i just really like to hold <laughs> yeah, so I, I still look at it and hold it and run my hands over it kind of thing it's just it's so it's i was so lucky to get the the hardcover edition of, of both books um oh, beautiful yeah but, really yeah. beautiful now to start us off for people who may not have gotten their hands on this book yet can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this one's about yeah, sure. So uh, it's about a, a girl, Jane Doe, obviously, uh, who has to journey into this infinite, dangerous labyrinth between worlds to rescue her father, who's disappeared inside. And she has to find him quickly because someone else has also found their way in. Um, an immortal villain named Roth is searching for the mythical Cradle Sea, the core of the manor itself. Uh, and somehow uh, Jane's dad holds the key to finding it. And reading it, it really is another world. Like even when you were saying that, it's a different vocabulary. It's a complete otherworldliness. And usually I don't ask authors where they get their ideas because, you know, they come from everywhere and there's not really a finite moment of, oh, you know, this idea just came into my head quite often. But I read that you came up with the idea when you were in a museum in Egypt. I need to know about how this happened yeah yeah i mean it's I, so I've, I've always been kind of obsessed with museums and, and forests and uh caves is anything where you can get a bit lost because for me that's where the kind of what if questions come to mind that kind of drive me as a storyteller um so i was i was in the cairo museum in way back in january 2007 a uh, long long time ago um and i just started to think what if there was this infinite labyrinth between worlds what if it was known to an entire island of people what if they'd worshipped it and journeyed through it to these other worlds for thousands of years and returned with tales to tell? But what if one day it stopped letting them inside and what if it was because of a child? So that was kind of the first seed of the, mm-hmm. of the idea for this series. And I automatically knew I just wanted to fill it with all of my favourite things, all the, all the adventures, kind of tropes that I loved uh, as a kid. So there are carnivorous forests and runaway trains and booby traps and all that kind of stuff, which I <laughs> adore. And I just wanted to have fun with it, really. 
Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun reading it. And I, like I said, I loved immersing myself in that world because when you read those adventure kind of fantasy stories, you have to get right into the world. And sometimes, you know, it takes longer than others. But with your book, you were in there straight away and it was just you were immersed in it. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Thanks so much. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, think it, I think you're right with that, with, with fantasy. The world can be, uh, can be what grabs people, people's attention and, and everything like that. But I think you, you need to have the characters to really draw people in. I think that's the key to drawing people into a good fantasy action-adventure series. Um, you can world-build till the cows come home kind of thing. Um, till the cows come home? <laughs> I'm in Griffith. So it's, I, am, I am in the country right now. It's fitting. Yeah, my, yeah, my, my, my farming background coming in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, un- unless you have those characters to really draw people in and go on the journey with you, that, then it's not really going to matter that much. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting, I think, with some particular genres, particularly fantasy and maybe even crime, but the setting and the characters together, they're so important. The setting probably as much as the characters but you're right about having to have very good characters yeah yeah no, and I, I kind of there was a lot of wish fulfillment with this in terms of setting uh getting to go into this labyrinth filled with booby traps uh and eventually getting out to an other world um in the second book uh the Cathedrals. it's a duology one adventure split yep. over two books um so you're getting to just go out into these faraway places um yeah i mean i started writing at kind of very difficult time in my life so i think it was a lot of escapism for me Mm -hmm. as well Mm, so you found that writing was that cathartic experience we could channel all that energy into the page yeah definitely i mean I, i came up with the idea when i was traveling uh overseas obviously as i said but uh i started writing i had to come home because my dad was uh had been dealing for a long time with a very rare form of cancer and had been mm-hmm. struggling with that. But it was at a stable place when I was travelling. He was actually travelling around the world himself at the time, but he really took a turn. So I had to kind of cut my trip uh, short and was a carer for him for the last seven months of his life. And that's when I actually sat down to start writing the book. Um, so when we first meet Jane in The Cradle of All Worlds, book one, she's a carer for, his, for her dad. Um, I was a carer for mine with my mum and my sister at, at that time. So thankfully I wasn't living in a basement and, and everything. It wasn't, wasn't as bad as that. But uh, I realised it, it was more after I'd actually finished the draft and I'd been picked up with the publisher and everything already, I, I, I started to realise how much I was kind of working through my grief while I was writing it, um, which, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of discovering things about it even now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that type of grief doesn't ever go away. Like I often find it odd when people say, oh, you know, in time, you know, you'll, you'll move on. But I think with that type of grief, you kind of don't want to move on, but you do never move on because it's always going to sit there with you, isn't it? Absolutely. It's something you have to learn to live with. Um, mm. Same with things like anxiety and energy, <laughs> like that. Never something to just get over. And I suffer from a bit of anxiety myself. And it's just been that, that long journey of understanding that it's it's okay to to have it. Uh, it's not something that you that's, that's a, it's not a weakness at all, and it's not something you can get over. Uh, same as with grief, it, it evolves over time and mm. feels less hurtful. Uh, it can still strike you at the weirdest moments and strangest moments and unpredictable moments, but it's it is always there. It's ever uh, present, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it was the key for me unlocking book two. I realised how much the story, as much as it is kind of a, a rollicking adventure through these different worlds and with action sequence and everything, it's very much about a girl trying to save her dad. Um, mm-hmm. And that for me was kind of understanding that book two in particular was very much about grief 
in different forms for the different supporting characters and Jane herself was kind of the key for me unlocking that, that story. Mm, I find that so interesting. And we were just, we've just done the whole nano series with, um, you know, a team of people who just, we decided to give nano a crack. And we were talking about this exact thing about, we talk about writing process a lot, you know, the technical stuff, but we very rarely talk about putting that heart and soul and those experiences and those weird feelings that you have on the page. But Mm. I think that makes the difference. You know, when you read something like, you know, I can, I can sort of feel this or it resonates with me in some way. And sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but maybe it's, that that place where you're at being able to sort of channel that grief and that anxiety onto the page because I think it makes a difference to the writing yeah no I agree completely and it's important to do for 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 kids books as well as adults I mean I wrote these for kids teens and adults and it's been wonderful to see it kind of embraced by people across the board um but talking to events like talking at events to, to to kids I I still sometimes mention the fact that my, my dad died during it and and all that and because because some kids are going through the exact same thing um, there are there are young people out there who are carers um, for years and years. I mean, I only was for seven months, and it completely. I mean, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, and so there are, there are there are little kids out there who who have experienced grief and loss, or in the process of, as I was when I started writing it, looking down the barrel of grief, knowing that something bad was going to happen. Mm. Uh, and it, I feel like it's important to talk to them um, about this stuff. And fiction is such a great gateway um, to 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 just get that conversation going because kids feel seen um, yeah. about it. Absolutely. And, you know, you're just talking about anxiety and if you have listened to the podcast, I speak about my anxiety quite a bit and I feel like it's only a new thing for me because, you know, you used to pretend that you were fine. But I think talking about it makes you feel like you have more ownership over it and it doesn't kind of own you. Mm. And I guess what I wanted to ask you because you said that you suffered from anxiety as well and I'm always interested, do you think that art makes your anxiety feel better or do you think an artistic brain is a little bit anxious <laughs> uh, yeah I don't, I don't it's a fascinating brilliant question and i don't you know i i, I don't have an answer i think anxiety is something that it, it hits everybody in such unique ways but at the same time so many universal ways as well it's something that i've actually had a lot of comfort from this year in 2020 with social media people sharing some of the thoughts mm. they've had some of the things they've been doing things like um, I read something, people saying that um, they will only re-watch television shows they've already seen because they need something familiar. And I was doing that at the time, watching Parks and Rec for the 10th time kind of thing. I was like, oh, my God, I'd never made that yes. connection. Yeah. Um, but in terms of creativity, um, it's something that definitely uh, um, kind of spurs my anxiety on just because I have major deadlines now. <laughs> it's that kind of all gets tangled. Um, having this world to dive into Sometimes it does relax me um, and I, I love spending time with these characters who I, I adore and I, I feel like I'm chatting with friends sometimes when they get into the banter and I can just have fun with that. But other days I sit down and nothing's working on the page and I feel like I'm smacking my head against a brick wall. The anxiety starts to rise and starts <laughs> out my, my ability as a storyteller and all of that. But I've, I've learnt to just give it the space that it needs. Uh, I kind of do a lot of self-talk and tell myself that okay, you're feeling these feelings. Uh, you've been in this situation before. Don't act on them. The manuscript isn't terrible. You know what you're doing. Just set it aside, work on something else for a while or go for a walk, go for a swim, go to the gym, watch a movie, whatever. You know that at some point you'll wake up or even just in the middle of the day, it won't feel as bad mm-hmm. and then you can push on. So that's kind of what I've been working on. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great technique. It takes a, a while to get there to just accept it and just to let it be, even though it's hard and you feel awful and know that it's okay. There's always the other side to it, but yeah, I'm always interested with um, anxiety and art and where it comes from. Now I adore the characters as well, but I particularly loved the relationship between uh, Jane and Violet and how you explored this relationship in the book. Oh, thank you so much. It's been one of the biggest joys since the, the books came out, uh, people really getting behind and shipping uh, Jane and, and Violet. <laughs> Lovely. Um, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm a proud gay man and always wanted to have a queer presence within the book, but it came about in a, in a strange way because for the first maybe six years of writing this book, because it took me years to get the first draft done, Jane was actually a boy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was called Finn Pigeon and the Cradle oh. Um, but uh, I, I, I had some interest in a publisher um, and they told me that because it was a boy-focused adventure, um, it should be very much younger middle grade just because that's what was selling well at the time. So they wanted me to make it much shorter, cut a lot of the scary uh, moments out of it, uh, aim it at a much younger audience. And I tried it, but it was just becoming a story that I didn't want it to be. And so I sat back and thought, well, if, if you want me to make it, a, if, a, if a middle grade book should be very much younger, uh, sorry, for boy-focused adventure should be very much younger middle grade. Does that mean if I change it to a girl-focused adventure, it can be more, it can be a bit older and I can make it longer and keep all these scary bits in? I don't subscribe to the whole boy book, girl book thing. No. I mean, no. I, it, was all, it was so, it was so tough because I wanted so desperately to be published, but I was just thinking, oh, I don't, I don't like this. But I, I, I had a chat to my female friends about it, about just changing the pronouns from he to she and keeping the character exactly the same. And, and I tried it and Jane just leapt from the page somehow. Mm-hmm so much she became so much more interesting the the silly gags that she makes and her voice it was just so much stronger um but then it, with the love interest originally it was a boy and a girl but i thought oh do i change it because i've changed the swap the gender of the of the hero do i swap the gender of the love interest i tried for about 20 minutes and it's like, <laughs> gonna work and i don't want to because i already knew some of my mates had read it and violet was already a fan favorite um and so i just thought this is where i can get the the, the queer presence within within the story um, I think um, coming out stories are still important and perhaps always will be, um, but I think it's also important to have stories where the heroes just happen to be gay. The LGBTQIA plus kids just going out kicking ass, having a time of their lives or going through struggles that have nothing to do with their sexuality. Um, so that's kind of really what I wanted to do with this Jane Vile's relationship. Um, and it's it, as I said, been so wonderful to hear from people around the world responding to that. Um, a young woman got in touch uh, last month or the month before that to say that she she thanked me for the re- the way the relationship was presented because it made mm-hmm. her realise that she had deeper feelings for a friend of hers. And oh, I was wow. Like, oh, my God, it's the best. lives. I love that. I love, I love that. that. It's, so, it's so lovely. I've also heard from parents who have uh, thanked me because they've it's opened up commun- like com- conversations with their, with their son. Uh, yep. And they were very, the son was very matter of fact about it and said that they've been talking about it with their friends and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's very normal. Mm. And that's as a parent, you are trying to normalize that. I mean, I know I have little kids, but I've always talked to them about marriage equality and kind of stuff. And, and when it, you see it in books, you don't have to sort of make it a big deal because this is just life. And these are the people in the world and this is love you know and so I really like the way that they were presented and it does it makes your job easier as a parent when all different relationships are presented because you said you can kind of go see it's everywhere you know it's fine so I know I liked that I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and I'm always you know I, I don't make I don't let them just read you know the 
the boy girl books. <laughs> I make them read all sorts of books. I don't even make it an issue. Yeah. And um, exploring those different relationships, I think, is really important. Oh, great! Thank you. That's great. And yeah, I mean, I, I was a pre, I was a bookseller before I was uh, published, and it, it's a, one of those bugbears that I know most booksellers feel when <laughs> parents and grandparents come in and say things like, "This is oh, a book for boys." <laughs> yeah, my, my son won't read this. It's it's got a girl on the cover, and I just it just makes my skin crawl. And I, you have to very politely. We we I've, I've had some great chats with with people, and some people will kind of give it a crack, but other people don't. It's funny, when, when uh, Cradle of All Worlds first came out, I, I went into the bookshop that I used to work. I still go back to help out at Christmas now and then. Um, I, I just love book selling. I think everybody who works, every author should have a crack at it. <laughs> you get to know so much about the industry from the ground up. Um, and on the day, I, I was there to unpack the book and we had a beautiful dump bin, which is like the display bin and everything. And, and this group of boys came in, they were like 10 to 13 years old. And I, I hadn't said anything and they were crowding around, around the display and talking about how cool it looked and everything. And then I, I let them know that I was the author and they, they loved that. Some of them ran outside to get their parents so they, could, they bought a few copies and everything, which was great. Um, not one of them said anything about the fact that it was Jane Doe in, in the title and a, there was a girl on the cover. And then later that very same day, there was a parent buying a book uh, for, as a birthday present for somebody. And there was my, the manager had put a couple of, like a small stack on the, on the, the bench on the counter. And she picked up the book and said, oh, it's a pity it's Jane Doe and not John Doe because I'm buying for a boy. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and my manager very, very politely kind of and had, a, had a conversation about it. But, yeah, it's, it's still people are coming around, but there's still yeah. very much that sentiment out there. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right, it is coming around and I think we just have to keep talking about it And because I think maybe people don't realise, people just assume, oh, my boy will want to read about a boy, but it's so much less about gender and so much more about the human experience. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to see more pink on book covers. Mm. Like, I, I think that's still, like, for some reason, I find it so bizarre that pink still confuses and scares so many people. There's one, one of the, the series that, that's had, like, I'm not sure if it's, like Treehouse, they've done every colour except pink. Oh, that's like, interesting. There's a series that could, mm. that kids are going to buy it no matter what. Yeah. Do a bright fluoro pink one. Just that's interesting, yeah. It's, it's, I find it so mm. fascinating that it's still one that people walk out. It's funny, actually, last year I, I actually saw a bit of a surge of pink books. I mean, there was Trent Dalton's Boy Swallows Universe and R.W.R. McDonald's uh, The Nancys and even um, Paul uh, Dalgano's Polly. So... I think it's coming, but it's yeah. right. I'd love to see it in kids' books. Yeah, nudge it down to, to kids' yeah, books. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Most boys don't. They don't care. Like, they just don't. And if they do, it's because they've learnt that from their parents. Exactly. Well, my son, you'll be pleased to know, he really likes his uh, sister's dress, which has, like, computer games on it, and he wears it to the shop. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, buddy, let's go. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally, I, I endorse that. <laughs> now, there is a, I think I lost track. There was a Dutch, a German, a Russian, a Brazilian version of your book. I was going through your Instagram going, oh, my God, that's amazing. I was at first really excited about the Dutch one because I have Dutch family and oh, cool. family in Holland. And I'm like, wait, there's a German one, a Russian one, a Brazilian. <laughs> how must this, how does this feel? It's amazing. It's, it's very surreal and it's I, I still look because they, they send copies every now and again and, and I look at them like these strange children and kind of think like where did you come from how do you <laughs> exist but you know it, it was a dream come true when I when I wrote this book I wanted it to be a big blockbuster that would kind of cross age gaps and and 
the, the goal was to have it be this kind of story that people around the world could, could get behind. And, and when that actually started happening, it was kind of just an absolute dream come true. And I just had to keep pinching myself. Very fortunate that the stars aligned when they did. Um, yep. Uh, it was kind of the the book was taken was acquired by my publisher Hardy Grant Children's Publishing. They took it to I think it was the London Book Fair um, or Frankfurt, one of the one of the big book fairs around around the world. Um, and yeah, they they did like a toilet campaign where in the in the bathrooms they had some advertising between <laughs> the mirrors, um, and that got a lot of people because apparently the lines to the bathrooms at those those things are always just staggeringly huge. Um, I love that. And yeah, and it, and it just kind of caught caught on and uh more and more people started jumping on board and i mean i'm in awe of translators i only speak mm. english unfortunately and the idea i think it's absolutely incredible the skill that they have to take somebody yeah. else in a different language and still maintain the nuances and the, the the kind of the hidden meanings the different contexts um, yeah it's wild it's not i was having this conversation with someone else about um how they're saying they're such an underrated talent you know you don't hear much about translators but they do just this amazing job yeah, and it's fast. I'm again only speaking English. I, I was fascinated to see which uh, only two of them have got in touch to uh, kind of clarify things. The, the Italian translator did because in book one, Jane kind of hears this voice which is let go, and she she just wanted to know whether it was physically letting go of something or kind of emotionally uh-huh. letting go. Uh, and she guessed it was the right one, which is the second one, but there wasn't that direct translation there. So she had wow. to find a way to describe it. So I'm just, oh yeah, my, my hat goes off to them all. But yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's also, because it also means different artists getting a, having a crack at the covers and it's mm. one of my favourite things to see all the different covers come through. And I've just so been so blessed to have so many incredible artists get behind the series as well. So, yeah. and, and the different, just the, diff- the different readers around, around the world getting in touch. Uh, it's, it's done really well in like, the Dutch edition and German editions in particular have done really well, which is, which is wonderful. Mm, I, love it. I love looking at all the different covers and thinking what you know, must resonate with those kids in those countries. Like, I really liked comparing them. Yeah. And because it has been so popular worldwide, what is it about the books do you think that resonates with young people so much? Uh, I think um, going back to what we said earlier about making it, based in, on character, based in character. Um, it, it is an action-adventure series that goes to different worlds and there's all these action sequences and all that, which are quite... I made it as epic as I possibly could. But at the end of the day, when I hear from children, uh, mostly the, the thing they mentioned first is they love the characters. Um, and that's something I, which is so lovely for me to hear because it's something I worked so hard on. You know, without having that hero that you really want to root for, um, nobody really cares what it looks like or anything like that. Um, having the, but the, the supporting characters uh, as well to have that, you know, because you can't have a hero that knows how to do absolutely everything. Uh, so pe- most, Violet is very much a fan favourite across, across the board, but every now and again, kids will say they loved Hickory precisely mm-hmm. because they're never sure if he's good or bad. He's got that light and dark within him. Aki now in book two is a, is a huge fan favourite. So just having those, those heroes for people to root for, I think is ultimately what has really with people the most, which yeah, it just blows my mind. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. And probably escapism too, particularly in this year. Like, aren't we all looking for a bit of escapism from 2020? Oh, my gosh. I, I, how, how's your reading gone this year? Because I found reading so difficult. I just haven't been able to focus, I think, because of that 
low-level anxiety that's mm. for, for everybody. And I just, I'm so distracted. Writing this year, I found it so difficult as well. How have you gone reading? I've, I've had to. Like, if I, I want to keep the podcast afloat, I kind of have to just get my, my head in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting. I've actually tried to really do a lot of interviews this year because I know how hard it's been. And, you know, if I can help in any small way, I mean, you know, that's what I'd, I'd like to do. So I've just been right. smashed with interviews. So yeah. I've been doing like four a week. So, and if, thank you so much for everything you've been doing for us authors and the community. It's, it's really quite wonderful. Well, you know what? I always tell people it's actually for my anxiety. So thank you because it oh. channels, channels all that weird thoughts I have and it channels them into something positive. And honestly, that's what I needed to do, you know, because my brain just gets stuck sometimes and um, having this distraction where I either have to read or record or edit and if I'm feeling you know like the energy is coming I just do one of those things well, that's, that's really brilliant that you and so I'm so happy that you had that moment that realization and found something to, to funnel that energy into because it's something that can take a long time to find that's really yeah cool. and look it still gets me every now and then but yes. like you said it's it's one of those things that I don't think you've accepted that it's there, but you know it's living beside you and there's not much you can do about it. And so you just kind of push through it each time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I was, I, I was, I clenched my jaw at night. Oh, so do I. Yeah, for so long. And then I was like, oh, maybe that's connected. <laughs> it makes so much sense after the fact. Oh, I know I'm really stressed when I wake up with that headache on one side because you've been clenching your jaw so much and then you wake up like, oh, why is the side of my face so sore? Like it feels like you've been punched in the head. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, yeah, for me, I, for me I definitely had the, because I had the whole experience with dad and everything, but also mm. growing up as a, as a gay kid in a country town, that, that was all, and, and I thought that I'd kind of, was, was all okay with that, but obviously having to hide so much of myself from my friends, my family for so much, that was just manifesting in other ways until I was ready to kind of deal with it. The same way, I guess, writing this book made me realise so many things about the experience I had with dad and losing him and the cancer. Yeah. The fact that Roth, the villain, I realised is pretty much the cancer that killed my dad. That was a wow. huge for me. The one that, as I mentioned earlier, when I was, I'd already submitted the book and I was walking down the street and it just hit me. And it makes so much sense. Again, like with that realising, like connecting. Because <gasps> my dad's cancer started in his jaw. Oh, and my goodness. He's missing his, his jaw because it, it's been eaten away. So it's so obvious. I called a friend and said, oh, my God, Roth is the cancer that killed my dad. And she just said, Jem, I know. She <laughs> knew straight away, but she was waiting for me to make the connection after I'd written this book. So like, yeah, look, it can present itself in so many different ways and the realizations can come well after you feel like you should have had them. <laughs> yeah. But that's like the anxiety that can come well after an event too. And I was saying this the other day, sometimes I don't have triggers and that's been the hardest thing to come to grips with because people say, Oh, what's your trigger? What's your trigger? And I was like, sometimes there is nothing. <laughs> it's just yeah. my brain. Yeah. I think your subconscious is just working through so many different things. Mm -hmm. And this year, that's why there's been so many just exhausted people around because even when we think we're just relaxing, mm. <laughs> uh, our, our subconscious, I think is still trying to process so many strange 
otherworldly things that we've yeah. never and You know what I've realised, I think, um, gee, this has become like a bit of a self-help episode, hasn't it? I oh, really like oh. this. I told you we'll <laughs> yeah, just throw the, there as well. <laughs> throw the questions away and we'll just get deep. We always do yeah, yeah, yeah. best interviews. Um, but, yeah, so I, you asked me, you know, when we were off air, how has 2020 been? And, you know, I've been working from home since March and I don't mind staying at home, you know. Got two little kids, that's fine. And I've felt really good about that. But now that we're going back into work and into the office and the last week, I've just had this phenomenal like week where I've been traveling all over the place in all different offices, like hours and hours away. I think that has given me anxiety. So it wasn't the staying home during lockdown, but it was the now I've got to go back out into the world. And I didn't realize how anxious that was making me feel so yeah no absolutely i, I agree 100 one of my uh, very dear aunties called the other day and she was she kind of said um oh i, I just wanted to chat to see now that covid's kind of calming down are you finding it easier to write <laughs> I was kind of like, no i'm still i'm still really think like trying to comprehend everything and mm. i've talked to mates down in victoria in particular and even though things have really gotten a lot better down there, there's still that looming threat. All it takes is one person. Yep, that's right. We're not over it at all. I mean, we're in a good place at the moment, but as we saw with South Australia and even, you know, Victoria, it can just change in an instant. And I think that's, that's that weird knife edge we're all looking at. And then we look at places like the US and Europe and we think, wow, you know, how do you, how do you function in that space so we still don't know when the world's going to get back to any amount of normal where we travel internationally and because those continents have been decimated as soon as we open Mm. the borders do we have to go into lockdown again and and all of that but Mm. thankfully we are in such a lucky we are now and there have been so many amazing things that have come out of this year as well I I, for one and I'm sure you feel the same so feel myself count myself so lucky and blessed to be part of the literary community oh absolutely it's a beautiful community positive yeah, and absolutely and people have really stepped up the booksellers have just done an extraordinary job this year getting books into as many hands as possible doing home deliveries and things like that yep. uh, it's, it's really been so wonderful to see the community kind of come together and and, and listeners, can I say, um, the podcast listeners have doubled in 2020. So I don't know if that's because people are really bored. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. I can't no, think of no. any more reason. <laughs> Word, words getting around that you're an interviewer and ask really brilliant questions. So. Oh, thank you. Well, it helps having really, um, really honest people on the other end who are willing to, you know, put themselves forward. And that's why when you said, you know, you talked about your grief and anxiety, I thought, well, you know, let, let, let's talk about that because books are great, but people like hearing about people's experiences because they're everyone else's experiences too. And I think so much in our society, we don't talk enough about the hard stuff. Absolutely. You know, and, I'm, and I'm up for a laugh anytime, but I think you've got to balance it out by talking about the hard stuff sometimes. Absolutely. And, that, and that's a great point because that's what I wanted to do with these books as well is to, because I, I kind of get sick of reading the, the kind of grim dystopian thrillers and, and all that. Went through kind of a huge rush a little, a, little, a little while ago. But I found that the dark moments, the truly dark moments and, and kind of important beats within the story don't land because it's all been kind of a trudge to, to get there. It's all about the balance of light and dark for me because yeah. it's exactly what life is like. Like even when I was caring for dad and everyone was grieving for him, when I was struggling with my sexuality, there are so many hilarious things that happen on the back of and in front of these, these horrible moments. That's what I wanted to do in the series. Jane's quite a comedic character in a lot of ways. Um, and I wanted to have that interplay of light and dark because it's just, it's just life. And again, I think that's why people respond to certain stories because it's more 
And that's how we get through grief and those dark moments. And, you know, if you look at all the satire of COVID and all the, you know, you look at the chaser or the shovel or Borat, you know, all that satire about those really serious issues. I mean, that's yeah. how we get through it, I think. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, if you have been listening, you must be waiting for this question because this yeah. is the question that I like to ask everyone at the end. Bring Why it. do you write? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a, you know, I, I love hearing people's answers to this because it, it, it seems like such a simple question, uh, but has so many very, another one that I like to ask people is, do you enjoy writing? Mm -hmm. Because it's our job, we should do it, but so many days you don't, why, why, why do I write? Um, there are all the things about how, you know, I, I, I want to entertain. Um, I, I think that answer is sometimes seen as, well, I think commercial fiction in general, commercial versus literary and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's such nonsense. Um, but I, th I think there's there's no shame in just saying I want to give people a, a damn good ride um, and just make them have that form of that method of escapism and and all of that. Um, for me, I, I think I've always been obsessed with stories, and it's what I feel most comfortable. It's what I know most. When I look back in my, on my life, I you know I'm I'm now here in my uh, hometown in the house I grew up in and having so many memories of just grabbing my action figures and uh, spending entire weekends crafting these adventures around the house and garden. And I was telling stories back then even, and it kind of just all makes sense to me. Um, so I guess part of it is, is that I feel, I feel comfortable. It's what I know most. I'm terrible at a lot of other things like maths and everything. I just can't. Maths? Who needs maths? The worst. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun, but it, it can be really difficult uh, as well. And there are days where it doesn't feel like it's working. And as I said, I feel like I'm smacking my head against a brick wall, but I, I, I can't not do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It sounds so wanky, but I, I write because I have to as well. <laughs> not wanky at all. Just I, honest. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could ever not right i'm very much a plotter rather than a pantser and as soon as i get an idea it automatically trips through like dominoes in my head if i walk out of a movie at the cinema and i don't like it i kind of rewrite it in my head as to how i love I that done it. i can't not do it so yeah i don't know that's a very long-winded rambling answer but no, they're the best kind the best <laughs> kind and i loved your writing i think you're really i loved the style of your writing you know i thought it was clean but i thought it was just you know immersed itself in the world so it was the type and, and style of writing that, re that i really enjoyed oh thank you so much it's wonderful to hear and look, thank you. I've just loved speaking to you. If I would just love to speak to you for another hour, but we'll wrap it up. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time, Jeremy. I mean, you know, we like I said, we've communicated via socials and I've just had, I feel like when I go and edit this episode of you know, half an hour, we've just covered so much ground and gotten so deep really I, quickly. I feel like I've been lying on the therapist's couch, which has been quite lovely. So uh, yeah, look, I feel a bit better too. I think it's great. Every time you need to reach out and chat, I'm always here. This could be cheaper than going to see a professional. <laughs> You've <wanted> something here. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for your time, Jeremy, and I'm sure we will chat again. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Danny.